fit, active, healthy, happy, enjoying the prime of your life. Looking out for your health and wellness, this is Health Talk with Fred Lowry from Lowry Drug in Statesville. Call now to ask Fred your health questions, 704-873-1400, 704-873-1400. You can also visit Fred at his store, conveniently located on Hartness Road in Statesville. Good afternoon. This is Fred Lowry, pharmacist and doctor of natural medicine. It's Friday afternoon, uh, December the 8th. Welcome to Health Talk. Uh, I would remind you that uh, this program is intended to share knowledge and information based on my research and experience. It's not intended to offer individual advice and does not replace a one-on-one relationship with a qualified health care provider. Your daily choices have more to do with your health than anyone in the healthcare field. So uh, hopefully this will empower you with some knowledge to take a proactive approach to your health. I'm here today with producer Joe Berg as usual, and uh, I'm very happy to have a guest here today, uh, Melissa Bass. Uh, she is a pharmacist at Lowry Drug. Uh, she joined us uh, in January of 2020, and uh, she has a, a lot of uh, other information that uh, in some cases I don't have. Uh, Melissa, uh, welcome, and um, you. you're... Tell us a, a little bit about your uh, your background, your pharmacy career. Uh, I know you went to Campbell and achieved your PharmD, and you have some other uh, uh, degrees in education. Sure. Take us on a tour. Sure. Um, so I graduated from Campbell University back in 1995. Um, at that point, uh, there was uh, still the option between the BS and the PharmD, so I chose Campbell to get my PharmD. Um, since then, I have um, gotten a master's in um, clinical toxicology from the University of Florida. Just um, finished that back this summer. Um, have got functional medicine training and am actually in the process starting January of getting certification in pharmacogenetics and nutrigenetics. And uh, we definitely want to talk about that piece of it. Um, so you're uh, you, you are the mother of five children. Yes. <laughs> yeah, that that's a that's a thing. That's a thing. Yeah. That's a big thing. Yeah. <laughs> it is a big thing. So um, you know, in in your pharmacy career, you got out of pharmacy school, and then where did you work? Okay. So well, actually, I'll back it up just a little bit. Um, between the time that I graduated from NC State, I guess I didn't say that. I graduated from NC State um, in microbiology and genetics. Um, the summer between that and the first year of pharmacy school, I worked for the Environmental Protection Agency in reproductive toxicology. Interesting. Um, yeah, that, that was um, very interesting. Um, then from the time. From that point, even through pharmacy school and the time I graduated, I worked um, for Quintiles, which is a contract research organization, um, writing papers for or just doing the pharmacokinetic analysis. And so pharmacokinetics, tell, tell the audience what that means. Basically, um, how your body reacts to the medication. How it processes, processes it, it, goes yeah. in, absorption. Metabolism, elimination, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Okay. So uh, what next? 
Did that. Um, so from that point, um, I have really just kind of worked in, in retail for several years. Um, took some time off when I have children. Like you said, I had five mm-hmm. kids. <laughs> and at that point, you know, at some point, and many women and mothers' um, careers, they have to make a decision between work and furthering your career or taking time for your family. So I did take several years off, um, took time for the family, uh, went back in um, in pharmacy. And after taking several several years off, it took a little bit to get back into it. And really lots of um, continuing education, a lot of self-study to get really caught back up to where, you know, just a few years made a difference out. Oh, um, I'm sure. Yeah. And from that point, got interested in the toxicology and the um, functional medicine end of it. So you, I think you, retail, uh, where did you work when you broke out? So I have done retail lots of places. Okay. Um, <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah, started off what used to be a bazillion years ago was Revco. Right. Um, Revco, CVS, I've worked at Walmart. Um, so retail kind of lots okay. of places. Very good. So, um, and then you came to Lowry Drug. That was a different setting. Than uh, the chains, yes. of course. Yeah, love Lowry Drug. Yeah, um, the functional homeopathic end of it is just right down my alley. Um, I love the opportunity that we get there to talk one-on-one with patients, um, have that conversation. Um, that's not something that you get in a typical pharmacy. Right. Well, and you're, you're such a good fit because you have an interest in that. Yeah, right? I and, love it. Love yeah, it. good, good. So... Um, Let's talk a little bit about functional medicine. Okay. So explain that, what that is. Okay, so functional medicine is different from allopathic medicine in that, um, well, I call it not a pill for a needle. So you're not going to get a, one prescription given to you for high blood pressure or one prescription given to you for anything. Basically, functional medicine is trying to get to the actual root cause. Right. So, you know, that there's root causes for, for everything. Um, and, and basically, like I said, you're just trying to find the real reason for a diagnosis, not giving a prescription, um, and continually giving more and more prescriptions. Right. So the, you know, the, the current method is a diagnosis, which basically puts you in a box of a category and in that box there are xyz drugs to prescribe for that and so and you could you could do that in some ways protocols with uh, natural medicine too but it's not really putting people in a box because they're individuals no, that's exactly the biggest thing with functional medicine is what you just said fred um, so there's, there is no such a thing as a protocol. Um, everything is treated, each person is treated as their own person, their own set of genetics, their own set of labs. Everything is one-on-one directed at that person and the healing is, is one-on-one. Right. Yeah. So, uh, a lot of people don't realize that everything that's happened to you from conception to where you are now, you know, all the things that you've been exposed to, whatever, your diet, your your lifestyle, uh, your uh, social situation, your, you know, your 
your emotional things mm-hmm. that you know that all culminates and make and truly does make you uh, biochemically unique and so that's part of the uh, approach i think of the functional medicine uh, we are uh, coming up on a break here when we come back we're going to continue this conversation uh, with melissa uh, bass and uh, we'll be back this is health talk this is fred lowry Welcome back to Health Talk. This is Fred Lowry, pharmacist and doctor of natural medicine. Lowry Drug on Hartness Road in Statesville was established in 1959. We are a traditional family pharmacy with a state-of-the-art compounding laboratory. We offer a full line of medical equipment, supplies, including CPAP scooters and oxygen. We also have a full line of supplements, nutritionals, herbs, essential oils, homeopathics, and more. Come see us. Uh, I am here with uh, Melissa Bass, pharmacist at Lowry Drug. We were just talking about functional medicine. So uh, the question is, you know, you came out of pharmacy school and you uh, uh, educated as a traditional pharmacist doing the things that we do uh, in dispensing of medication. So were you always interested in the comment, the possibility of functional medicine and, and that type of thing. Did you even know it existed? No, did not even know that it existed. Um, my interest um, started really when I was diagnosed in 2019, which would have been the August before I started working with you um, with breast cancer. Mm. So um, the diagnosis of uh, breast cancer really started my my interest in functional medicine um, when I was, I guess, after I was being treated and I really didn't have to go through any major treatment, um, the doctors told me, like, you know, you're done. There there was really no treatment. Um, It's been removed. There's nothing else really that you need to do. Um, You know, in the back of your mind, you always think, really, there's nothing else that I need to do. Um, And that was coming from you know, one of the major hospitals. So I, I came back to states when I thought, you know, as a healthcare provider, I, I need to get a second opinion on that because that just doesn't sound, you know, you know, who walks away from breast cancer with doing nothing, right? Nobody. Right. It doesn't sound like the smart thing to do. Um, so then I saw second opinion and guess what? Same thing. No, Melissa, you've had it removed. You're all good. You don't need to do anything. The nodes were clear. You're good. Still in the back of my mind, I'm thinking, that doesn't make sense. I mean, they, sure, I mean, the 
breast cancer was gone because they've removed it. But the problem that was there to start with, that wasn't removed. So what caused that? The second oncologist said, you know, why don't we look, if it would make you feel better, why don't we check your genetics? So let's check your, the, the Brock genes. So, you know, I was clear there. And one reason why we did that, too, was because my mother had breast cancer about the same age I did. And um, I do have two daughters. So we thought, you know, it's good to check just to see if there's any um, risk for my girls. Sure. Um, but, you know, when, the gene, when, when there was no concern with the genes, then you have to stop and, you know, you think, how did it happen? How did it happen? Why, Why did it happen? What's <clears throat> going on? Um, so like I said, that the breast cancer itself was gone, but the problem was not. So mine was estrogen sensitive, which led me down the functional medicine path of really I started studying and researching like what in the world could have caused this and what's in the environment today that is causing so many women. And now it's, it's younger. It used to be a, a disease of the older mm-hmm. generation of women. Now it's much younger, and you're seeing even a lot more men having breast cancer. So, yeah, that, that was the start of um, my interest in functional medicine. Yeah, so there, there are causes for things, and, and there are a lot of uh, things, that chemicals out there that uh, mimic exactly. estrogen. Mm-hmm. So you, you had your, your background in the toxicology aspect and so well i had just started you just started just started it uh but yeah that's a that's a huge you know uh, just so you know a lot of the things that we're talking about we could just talk about one of these things for forever yeah um but you know there there are a lot of things in the environment uh there were prescription drugs that were uh, not good diethylstilbestrol uh Mm -hmm. primarin Mm -hmm. uh those type of things uh there's uh, chemicals in our food and plastics, plasticizers. Mm-hmm. So, uh, what's your perspective on that? Did, and did you did you figure out? Do you think you figured out what what the cause was? Well, I mean, I guess there's no way to completely figure that out. Right. Um, but yes, the plastics and the plasticizers. Um, at one point, I was. Drinking like tons of bottled water from plastic, you know, the plastic reusable recycle or the um, throwaway right. plastic bottles, just tons. And I did not realize um, all the the estrogen that leaches from those plastic bottles. Mm. I just think, you know, then, you know, you, when you put plastic in the dishwasher, put food, hot food in plastic, the plasticizers in general just leach and leach that, that estrogen. And then... If your body, that there's several different pathways, like Fred said, we could talk about this forever. But if there's several different pathways that estrogen can go, um, and if your particular genetics are taking it down the 2OH pathway, um, that's a good one. The 4OH is, is not, and that, that's where you know, some, of the, uh, some of the genetics come into play too. So if you're good at, at metabolizing and getting rid of the estrogen, it may not be an issue if you're eating or, you know, soy food, things like that has estrogen, the plastics. If you're into drinking all of the bottled water that has leaching, you know, the plastic, the estrogen from the plastics, and then you're not metabolizing it, then you're just building that up. Right. And there, there are things that the body can't really efficiently eliminate anyway. 
And uh, it, it also brings to mind, you know, people that microwave in, oh, with yeah, plastics. Oh, yeah, microwave. Yeah, you know, that was the other thing, yeah. You're, you're just, you're you're just, just driving that stuff yeah. into the food. Exactly. So that, you know, that's a, a big issue. Uh, so uh, so it, it comes to mind when you're talking about the way the body metabolizes those things. A lot of times that's diet-related, too. You know, so uh, the apparently the cruciferous vegetables help right. send the you know the yes. uh, the, the estrogen shifts down it. shifts yeah. down the right pathway. And there's that product called DIM, DIM, D-I-M yeah. which is a diendomethane that uh, can help with that. And so, and then when you say DIM and so people know the cruciferous vegetables, what are you talking about? And so, yeah, the uh, well. Uh, Dim is a supplement, cruciferous vegetables, there's broccoli, cauliflower, yeah. that type of thing. So, of course, that's not going to be the magic uh, bullet. You know, right. that's just one thing in a whole picture of a, a health situation. So, um, you know, in, in terms of that, you're, what, what do you, uh, what did you do to, what changes did you make? Obviously, you quit. You got out of the the bottled water. Oh yeah, <laughs> started doing research, and you know, there for a little while, I think my kids thought I was a fruit <laughs> because you can. There's no way to ever eliminate everything. Right. You just kind of have to pick and choose the things, but you know, n- no microwave. Got rid of all the plastics, uh, plastic containers. So, you know, when I come to work, I've got my little glass, um, my little glass thing with all my fruit in there every right. day. Um, and I don't use the dishwasher either. So that was one thing. And eating whole foods, so no processed stuff that. So you're hand washing everything? I literally do, yeah. So and why, uh, why not the dishwasher? The same kind of reasons. Um, okay, so I'll tell you the one, and I think it was like the pivotal point, and this was actually even before I was diagnosed with breast cancer. Um, my aunt was at the house one day, and uh, you know how you bake things, and it gets all baked on the, the glass containers, and you know it takes forever to get it off, or you just can't get it off. She said to me, um, Melissa, if you'll put a little bit of this um, dishwashing powder in there and just let that thing soak overnight, it's like magic. It'll come right off. I said, okay, you know, I'll try that. But little did I know, I left a knife in there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So the next morning, I reached in, and I didn't see the end of the knife. I just, you know, reached in to grab something. And I cut my hand with the blade because... That stuff had literally eaten the blade from the handle. What? I'm 100% serious. I have never touched this way. <laughs> literally true. Now, so, and it wasn't like the blade was broken. So you're talking about this was dishwasher powder. Powder. Yeah, like you would like, normally the old style. I guess people don't use it so much anymore. But the dishwashing powder that you would put in the dishwasher, I just let them soak a little bit in the, you know, overnight. What's in that stuff? That, that's what I'm saying, too. Well, yeah, so I have not used a dishwasher. We hand wash. And people say, don't you want a dishwasher? And as, you know, the kids are growing up, I said, no, I've got five. 
Yeah, you can do dishwashers. <laughs> I've got five dishwashers. Well, you know, it really, uh, I mean, I, I do some of that myself, but n- not everything, but it doesn't take that long. Well, I mean, you know, when th- and then then again with five kids and trying to run a dishwasher, you know, when you've got that many dishes, they're not going to fit one cycle anyway, right? So it was I, like I don't know. <laughs> okay, well, I'll just tell you, they're <laughs> not going to they're not going to fit in one cycle. So there would be multiple cycles, and they would sit in the sink anyway because somebody was too lazy to wash them from one point to the next. So they were laying there anyway. So I'm like, no, we we just need to right stop this. Well, uh, interesting stuff. Uh, when we come back, uh, I'd like to talk a little bit about the genomics, the genetic uh, aspect okay. uh, related to maybe nutrition and, and medication that you have some expertise in. Sure. Uh, you're listening to Health Talk here uh, in Statesville, North Carolina. This is Fred Lowry, pharmacist and doctor of natural medicine. Uh, glad you're listening to us. Uh, we've got a really wonderful guest at this point in time, and we will continue in a moment. We're up against a break. Stay with us. Welcome back to Health Talk. This is Fred Lowry. Uh, we're talking with uh, pharmacist uh, Melissa Bass. So, Melissa, uh, one of the things that you had uh, become interested in was the genomics part. Uh, so you've got the food part of the genomics and also uh, pharmacogenomics, which is how drugs interact with an individual's genetic makeup. Yes. Tell us about that. Okay, so um, nutrigenomics is basically how um, food affects the genes or the genes affects um, the way you, you're metabolized and um, able to use food. But there's something called epigenetics. Um, so you're never defined by your genes. I think that's the best way to put it. It's You've not got, your destiny. It's not your destiny. That's the best way to put it. Um, so epigenetics is things that um, that affect the the genes as in that's the phenotype that you get, but does not change the DNA sequence. Changes so the expression. Expression right. and 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 what you see, but not not your actual DNA. Right. Um, and I read recently uh, an interesting way to put it, because a lot of people don't understand, like when you talk about epigenetics, the interesting way to put it is when you're talking about your cells. And if you're, if you're talking about like actors in a film or something, that, that would be um, uh, the cells. The DNA would be kind of like the script that the actors are, are reading or doing. Um, and that would be kind of the, the genetics of it, the actors and the script. Those things wouldn't change, but depending on maybe who the director of the film is, that would cause, you, you may see a totally different film well, under yeah. a different director, Sure. but nothing that the actors nor the script have changed. Right. Okay. So that's kind of um, what what the epigenetics is, and that that affects um, the genes as far as nutrition um, and the nutrigenomics. 
So when we, you know, I've, I've looked at blood type dyes as an example, which is a foundation of what genetics you come from. And so different people from different parts of the world are right. more accustomed to eating certain kinds of foods, like people that grew up in the tropics, et cetera. Watery fruits versus an Eskimo eating heavy fatty foods. So that's an extreme example of that. But in, in everyday life, what are, what are the genetics related to the foods that we choose in our health? The well, so um, fruit like fruits and vegetables, um, getting your vitamin D, they're um, genes that have the expression for vitamin D receptor. So, all of those things, fruits and vegetables, make a difference in the expression of certain genes, histones, all those, the methylation. It it gets rather complex, it's very complex, and the the body is. amazing in the the complexity and the chaos that's going on all at the same time sure uh and, and of course the other thing you know i think when we talk about foods uh, dairy and wheat come to mind and so uh i think i think uh, i believe that a lot of the chemicals that have been put on the food makes the body sensitive to those foods right like the glyphosate that's been sprayed on yeah. On, on wheat, on wheat, and corn, oats, mm-hmm. um, potatoes as as a drying agent. So, uh, another toxic thing. So, what about um, autoimmune issues related to all this? So we we're seeing a, a big uh, uh, increase in, in autoimmune disease, disease. And you know, it, it's kind of like, why would the body <clears throat> reject itself? You know, basically that's right. what what it is. You know, you can <clears throat> you could use some kind of metaphor for self rejection, whatever. But what what do you think's going on with that? I mean, and and does that relate to? Uh, I mean, obviously there's some genetic connection to that. Right, there's genetic connection. The biggest thing that I see um, with my patients that are autoimmune um, is gut related, though, and there are genetics and genes that affect. Um, things that go on in, in the gut as well, but um, like leaky gut. Mm-hmm. So as far as like autoimmune, leaky gut is huge. There again, it's um, part of the, the vitamin D. So when you've got low vitamin D, that um, allows the cells to open and allows things to get through um, those cells. Um, so you have patients that develop um, arthritis, rheumatoid arthritis, um, Hashimoto's, those sorts of things. And in addition, they're, so you're talking about like um, wheat and um, uh, things like that, that, that molecular mimicry. So with leaky gut, you're, you're, what you're describing is where something causes the cells and the connective tissue in that to get further apart. And so right. things from the gut uh, leak into the gut wall, get into the bloodstream, mm-hmm. and then have an effect on the on the body. Right, and a lot of times when you're talking about patients with joint pain, um, so so the things that are coming through the the gut wall tend to stop, so that there's 
that antigen antibody reaction. So they come through, um, the antibodies are trying to attack it because it's, it looks not like, like yourself, so it's anti-self. Um, and they set these antigen antibody um, complexes up in low um, t tissues that have less blood flow, so like joints. And that's where a lot of times rheumatoid arthritis and some of those things set up as well. Yeah, and, and one of the mechanisms for uh, the body to deal with toxins that it can't process is to deposit it in connective tissue. Right. And so you, you know, that's where a lot of it ends up, and then you get more inflammation. Uh, so that that's a another toxic situation, and there's so many things that play a role in that in terms of getting rid of that, but cleaning up your diet and Diet That's the biggest thing, especially those for patients that are um, Hashimoto's. Just the wheat, the gluten. Um, there's, there's a term called molecular mimicry where your body thinks that it is attacking the gluten, but the gluten looks so similar to your thyroid tissue that in reality, it's attacking the thyroid tissue. Mm -hmm. And so when a patient does clean up the diet, they get rid of the gluten. Um, they may not totally get rid of the Hashimoto's, but they can put it in remission. Yeah, we've, we've seen that for sure. So uh, you had pointed out to me uh, or brought to my attention a, a new article about uh, the, uh, the COVID shots and, and the, the rise of autoimmune disorders disease and right. you know that was something that I reported on uh, maybe over a year or so ago because that was in, it was in the papers from Pfizer right. uh, uh, it was called adverse events of special interest or adverse uh, things that happen of special interest and it was just full of autoimmune mm -hmm. uh, anti this antibodies anti mm -hmm. that but now we've got a what was the paper that you saw? So the paper um, was from Cambridge University, and it was where there was uh, a nucleotide uridyl um, inserting into the DNA, causing what's called a frame shift. So technically, it would be three nucleotides that form a codon, which eventually forms um, an amino acid, a string of amino acids form the protein. So but when you have a frame shift that totally change or can um, totally change the protein that it's making. It can stop it before it should, or it can let it continue on when it should stop it. So right. I'll, so there's so something that, related. That was a pseudouridine that they used in yep. there, right? Yep. So that was one of the ways they, they were able to get around, uh, you know, in the, the making of that uh, right. RNA, quote-unquote, uh, and then, of course, you got the issue of the uh, plasmid DNA that was in that as well. It, and so now the, the DNA goes in, and it can make a, a change. We don't know what, I, I, I wouldn't think. Yeah. So that's part of that picture. Yeah, part of so, what I mean. So, uh, you know, one of the things that uh, some people have gotten a benefit from from a prescription standpoint, is the low-dose naltrexone for mm -hmm. autoimmune Yeah, because uh, anti-inflammatory, yeah. Yeah, so it, uh, it, it's kind of interesting in that you know, we've, we've actually seen some uh, the thyroid antibodies go down 
quite a bit right. with, with those kind of things. So right. it, it's an it's an interesting uh, interesting therapy. Uh, now, Trexone uh, was originally used for uh, alcohol uh, addiction, right. you know, and so uh, in, in a very high dose. Yeah, much higher dose. Much yeah. higher dose, and and there's been a lot of people that have gotten. Uh, some help, particularly uh, also related to fibromyalgia-type symptoms and discomfort. We are coming up on another break here. Uh, We're going to have one more segment. We'll be back shortly. Thank you for listening to us. We appreciate it. Welcome back to Health Talk. This is Fred Lowry. I'm here with Melissa Bass. Uh, we're both pharmacists. We're uh, talking about uh, all kinds of things related to health. Uh, and, and off there, we were just talking about uh, diethyl stilbestrol. And uh, yeah, if, I'm sure many of you don't know what that is, but it was a, it was a very interesting history, uh, which I won't cover all of it, but it was... Uh, it, it was mimicked estrogen. It, it had estrogenic activity, even though it chemically was not really, didn't really look like estrogen, and uh, which suggests and, and you know, implies that, you know, the estrogen, uh, you know, receptors, if, uh, which is what we call the place that they act on the body, uh, a lot of things have estrogenic activity, including... Uh, some uh, plants, some herbs uh, with, uh, you know, that have uh, what we call phytoestrogen activity, which is a plant phytoestrogen. And uh, Melissa just mentioned that the BPA uh, looks like diethylstilbestrol, that DES. Yeah, it literally looks, when you look at the two chemicals, um, there's one double bond. Outside of that, the two chemicals are exactly alike. Interesting. I, I hadn't made that connection. And neither one had the cholesterol background. So that's, you know, that normal estrogen would have like that um, cholesterol background. Right. So um, you know, was you know, was a drug given to uh, pregnant women uh, in the uh, maybe the late 40s, 50s, uh, mm-hmm. early 60s. 60s it uh, yep. was uh, supposed to make a baby uh, healthier in, in, because it made them fatter and estrogen does cause cell growth and it, you know this this uh there's a, a huge uh, a lot of damage was done to the offspring particularly uh female offspring they were getting clear cell um cancers uterine cancers uh and, and probably uh this this problem with the des has been passed down not just to children, but uh, the children of those children, uh, et cetera. Yes. And, and it was finally taken off the market for, uh, you know, by the FDA. You, you, we have seen, I mean, of course, we've got a very recent example of that, that the FDA is pretty slow to pull things off the market that might be uh, a problem. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and, I, and I recently saw a uh, an advertisement for uh, 
the Moderna spike vac, showing that this was part of a healthy lifestyle. It showed that people uh, exercising and having fun and eating really good food, beautiful vegetables, you know, and it's a, a proof for uh, for uh, anyone six months or older. That's pretty scary, isn't it? It's 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 worse than that. It's uh, yeah. Well, anyway, uh, you have a you have something there that you were. Oh yeah, I was just talking about like thinking about the history and the timeline of um, what's called an endocrine disruptor. Um, you know, so you talked about DES and um, the time that it started, uh, but there's a whole timeline of endocrine disruptors. And somewhere between 19, let's see, it's here. Endocrine disruptors, meaning uh, they uh, alter your, your hormone balance and they interfere with that. Right. They alter the hormones. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And sometime between 1969 and 70, um, the Environmental Protection Agency was um, born. <laughs> right. And uh, the whole goal there was to basically what look out for... Um, not necessarily endocrine disruptors, but um, things that would harm the environment and animals. But during that time in between um, then and about 1991, um, the the whole term uh, endocrine disruptor was kind of coined. And um, there was a meeting at that point in 1991 called the Wingspan Conference um, at that point, this is back in 1991, where um, it was quoted, we're certain of the following, a large number of man-made chemicals have been released into the environment as well as a few natural ones. They have the potential to disrupt the endocrine system of animals and including humans. That's been since 1991. Okay, that's been, what's, 30 years ago? Yeah. And I can tell you, I think when I finished my paper, my thesis, there were six that had been removed from the market, yeah, six. That, yeah, the, the uh, commercial interests there are pretty huge. Uh, it reminds me of a book called uh, "Our Stolen Future," and it uh, talks about that and in- included. I think there was a chapter about uh, the atrazine chemical and how it affected frogs. You mentioned that one time. Yeah, yeah. So it, it basically uh, changed the uh, the sex yeah. of. Uh, Male frogs to females, is that right? So, yeah, and so you <laughs> really don't to, to knock that because, I mean, as crazy as it sounds, um, the things that we expose ourselves to that are like the estrogen or that are, you know, given, you know, females extra estrogen or males extra estrogen by things that, like the bisphenol A, um, those things affect masculinity and feminine yeah certainly um you know the the hormone profile of males and females uh at say 11 to 12 is about the same right yeah and and then as puberty hits it it, there's a shift there uh so and optimal hormone production uh is, is starting in in there and it probably in some cases peaks at about 35 years old Uh, and I think in some cases we're seeing tremendous drops in uh, male testosterone 
right. uh, even in uh, young, very young men. Yeah, I saw a study not long ago that was even saying that there is a 50% drop in um, sperm count. Right. So yeah, this is, uh, you know, it's, it's serious stuff and it's something for people to really pay attention to. And, you know, you can't eliminate all your exposure. But uh, I saw a thing recently, you know, even children's clothing. Right. You know, when you when you open up a package and it has a chemical scent, mm-hmm. you, you shouldn't put that on your child. So like you think about fire retardant things. The fire um, retardants, yeah. Off-gassing from um, carpet. I mean, all of those things are hormone disruptors. And you don't think about, like you were saying, you can't remove everything. You can't hide yourself in this little bubble. But being aware and trying to limit your exposure and then finding ways to, um, you know, make sure that, that you're able to, to get rid of them. And, and amazingly enough, you know, things like even car seats. Yeah, have you get into a new car, that new car smell, right? Yeah, and they have, you know, child uh, child seats that have flame retardants on them. Right, well. Why, why would you do that? Why do you, why do you need flame retardant on your sofa? I guess in you case know? your house catches on yeah, fire. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you're not going to be hanging out there, okay? <laughs> so... Uh, you know, and, and then you get down to what can people do, you know, and, and, and a lot of that is some of the basics that, that I talk about, that, that you talk about. So, uh, and, and you, uh, of course, I do consultations with individuals to help them, uh, and, and you've, you've been doing that lately, yes. too. Mm-hmm. Um, so tell us about that, uh, your, what, your process, what you go through that with, with that. Um, Typically, I ask um, the client to submit some paperwork that has um, some pretty detailed information um, on on it as far as like gut health, um, hormone health, you know. um, Then um, from that point, I I like to have blood work, even just basic blood work because it's amazing um what you can tell from just basic blood work i mean a lot of times these things are overlooked and if if i'm lucky enough to have them give me maybe two or three sets of blood work so i can follow a trend um, that's even better so when they come in we'll usually spend um, about an hour hour and a half um, going through the paperwork me asking them questions because usually i've gone through it all myself before I met with them, going through their blood work, um, and then really just setting up a plan to move forward um, from that point. Yeah. You know, interesting on the the blood work thing, I uh, went to a seminar years ago, and it was about analyzing and looking at blood work related to nutrients. And so, and I'm sure you're you're doing that. So, you know, when you look at blood work, a lot of the things you typically see is they need B vitamins. And, you know, they yeah. need B vitamins. They need vitamin C. I mean, uh, a lot of that plays a role. In, yes, and you can it. tell a lot of times, even talking about gut health and how that forms into autoimmunity, just by some of the nutrients um, on basic blood work. Yeah. So it, it's, uh, it can be helpful. Uh, maybe not as useful with uh, hormone-related things, but right. there, but yeah. it, it, it is a piece, yeah, it, it is a piece of the puzzle, certainly. So, uh, 
looks like we need to wrap this up a little bit. You know, if you if you want to uh, contact Melissa, she, uh, you can uh, call up the store, leave a message, and she can she can call you back uh, if you would be interested in doing a consultation with her or with myself. Either one of us, we thank you for listening. We appreciate your uh, coming to see us. Come see us at Lowry Drug on Hartness Road here in Statesville.